Welcome back. This is Headful of Hannibal, your Baltimore-based Fannibal podcast. This is Amy. I'm Jen. I'm Justin. And we are here to talk about Hannibal Season 3, Episode 7, Digestivo. That's probably the best pronunciation I've had in a while. <laughs> Jen's most favorite. My comfort episode. Your comfort episode. Mine is Mizumuno. Because <laughs> I'm a little warm and cozy. Maybe I'm slightly more fucked up than you. Um... <laughs> I find comfort in my own uh, angst. But, uh, oh, my brain just went blank. That's okay. I'm having a little bit of a distracted day. So we are here eating delicious thematic pigs in a blanket that Jen made. And what did you said you put brie and fig jam? Yeah. So it's um, two kinds of fig jam because, of course, I had two kinds of fig jam just in my refrigerator. yeah, so it's like a like a cheese board kind of fig jam and brie and then little smokies. Um and then, you know, whatever those Pillsbury roll things are. Crescent rolls. Crescent rolls. And then God bless crescent rolls. <laughs> you take the like the thinner version of the fig jam and use it as a glaze mm. and then put some little salt sprinkles on top. Mm. It's real good. <laughs> We're having it. I had some maple mustard, so we're having it with that. Right. And it is a savory sweet delight. Yeah. It's really good. And we're drinking, I don't think this had a name. Oh, it was just called a cider mule. Mm. We were trying to think of drinks and decided to go for fall because it's been fucking gorgeous in Baltimore yeah. for like weeks and weeks. It is amazing. Yeah. Um, and it is apple vodka. Pardon me. Uh, lime juice. Hard cider. And a twist of lime, and I don't know if I'm missing anything else, but it's nice. It's kind of refreshing, mm-hmm. not too sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jen and I are having it in proper mule mug. Sorry, Justin, you had to drink it out of a regular glass. I'm okay. <laughs> Hello. Now you uh, own apple vodka. Yes. <laughs> and we also have the accidental half gallon of caramel cider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. What's that about? Um, Justin bought cider, and it was caramel flavored. <laughs> I, I was running out the door as the recipe got posted. It's like, I'll be helpful and pick up ginger beer. It's like, oh, it's a cider drink. We don't have any cider. I'll pick up cider. I grabbed a, oh. a jug of cider, and it turns out it's caramel cider. But Oh, like non-alcoholic. Yeah, he thought okay. it was non-alcoholic gotcha. cider, but it was hard. Oh, that's the other thing. There's ginger beer in this. We use mm-hmm. goslings. Uh, my favorite. So, yeah, I'm feeling extra folly. I put mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the fall tablecloth down. Let's get cozy, bitches. You're wearing your lumberjack shirt. I'm wearing a lumberjack shirt. My lumberjack boyfriend shirt from our troop. Uh, yeah, like you've actually chopped wood in or yeah. carried wood. Yes. <laughs> chopped wood, Started carry fire. water, start a fire, something like that. Um, so I actually have a bunch of links and stuff I've been collecting. Um, I have, uh, first off, there was a... Twitter thread from Ruthie writes, which I'm going to link to just because it was a really good one of someone who is a, um, a, I would say, I guess, a conventionally published author talking about writing fan fiction and being public about it and helping them, mm-hmm. how it helped them and how, you know, there's stuff that is uh, a regular popular media that is really just fanfic. And, oh, yeah. and mentioned that like Marvel movies are just fanfic of the comic books. Absolutely. It's just taken more seriously because historically it's been done by guys. Yeah. 
I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. And there's some money to be made in it. So it's more serious than the stuff people do for free. Yeah. Although, I mean, hopefully they're figuring out that there's money to be made and like other kinds of fanfic too. Mm. Yeah, but it was just a nice, I like every time someone's like, oh yeah, I'm an author and mm. I write fanfic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Cora Harrington, who, the lingerie addict, mm-hmm. I think she said that she's written fanfic, but she wouldn't give yeah. her username. Yeah. And, and I definitely like, she catches enough crap from people online that I could see wanting to keep that quiet. Like, a couple of people I follow, her and Aja Barber, and I think it's Lake and the Stylist have all been talking a lot about Shein and oh, yeah. the halls and everything yeah. and fast fashion, and they're just getting all of them, they're all getting pushed back. And as, you know, women who are talking about this, as black women talking about this, yeah. like they're just getting a lot of crap. And it's stupid. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter. People quit being assholes. Um, as we sit here and talk about Hannibal, who's really an asshole. <laughs> well, he's our him. asshole. Yeah. Well, we love him for Our it. little meow meow. <laughs> he's consistent. He points that out in the episode. He, I mean, he does not deny it, and he is what he is. He's like, I'll do it. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> Particularly in this episode. Yeah. He's It'll really be good for you. A yeah. superhero in this episode. Yeah. Come on. Um, Next up, people may have seen it, but if not, there'll be a link to the GQ Mads Mickelson Guide to Dressing in Your 50s, mm. which is going along and you're like, suits, yep, yep, not at, you're not dressing like you're an old person, yep, that's good. Have these uh, shirts in certain ways, they fail to mention that they never fit properly, <laughs> but different kinds of shirts. The struggling buttons. <laughs> and then the last one which gave me pause which was retro sportswear is never a bad idea uh, he sometimes uh, wears color too this mint green polo with contrast piping and blue tracksuit jacket layered over the top is not the kind of thing we associate with the king of menacing minimalism which makes it all the more powerful and I, i'm like have you seen the tracksuits that man wears <laughs> they should have done like a realistic gq thing where it's just like him hanging out smoking a cigarette with his i Pods and just like wearing a tracksuit, the same tracksuit for like the last three days. What about slip on sketchers? What's that? What about the slip on sketchers? Oh, the slip on sketchers. Whoa. The, um, uh, I just forgot the name of the podcast. Know we what know what did. you did. Then we know what you did, film podcast, which I think I've mentioned, but if I have not, is fucking brilliant. They're our best friends and they just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're our, our best friends from afar. Um, talk about how Tom Selleck is the new Wilford Brimley. Oh my god. Who Danielle keeps calling Wilfie Brims. <laughs> Which I said to our friend Tim because he calls Crimson Peak Crimmy Peaks. Crimmy Peaks. <laughs> and Talks about like you know you've you've hit that transition into being like the old person when you're wearing the slip-on Skechers. Oh no! I'm taking notes because that sounds great for dog walking shoes. Yeah, they're exactly what you need. Yeah, they're exa- you, I know you've resisted them. They are exactly what you need. But it's just <laughs> a beautiful, brilliant rant. I love them. I highly recommend this podcast not only for their um, their movie discussions, but also because. It's two Gen X women just going on about things also. And it is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I love them. Um, 
there was a Twitter thread from trying to read W L V I O D. I don't know what that is. Uh, I'll link to it where it was a um, Hannibal Kim Porsche crossover tweet. Is Hannibal the dude who eats actual meat? <laughs> Trademark. If so, then yes, Kim equals Hannibal. And there's some back and forth. And if I remember correctly, Hannibal is shipped with a grouchy policeman. I see Shay as more of a happier version of BBC Watson. But hmm. <laughs> next tweet. Hannibal's canonical ship, if we're talking NVC Hannibal, which we are, is a puppyish younger man who is vulnerable and whom he manipulates horrifically and who eventually bites back. So, like, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh then um, on Twitter, Faye Burner said, I love Hannibal because every episode is like, they find 17 bodies hanging from a telephone wire. Will, the c- killer craved connection. Hannibal, or Will, is it you that craves connection as the world spins ever further beyond your grasp? The head of the FBI. This is great, guys. <laughs> it's like, yes. Exactly. And it reminded me of the the uh, person talking about how them and their boyfriend would talk in those elliptical Hannibal will back and forth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> about things like buffets. Yeah. <laughs> Just be that. at the buffet talking about three bean salads. Yeah. Man, I was saying to Justin, or I was saying earlier, I have a lot of Twitter links. Um, Wild hack tweet it's only queer baiting if my personal otp doesn't work out otherwise it's just sparkling homoerotic foreshadowing (laughs) (laughs) which is like everything everything i'm watching recently (laughs) every tv show except for interview with the vampire is just straight up (laughs) oh yeah yeah i mean everything i've been watching recently is gay (laughs) and i need to catch up on my interview I've needed less serious TV lately, Mm. so which is actually not really happening. I keep thinking I'm watching something less serious, and I'm wrong. Uh, We uh, stumbled on Jen brought this to the table, the Yowie Shelf podcast. Oh yeah, Um, because I just forgot their guest name. I did too. They are an academic who's written a lot and done a lot of research around boy love. I will the history of boy love. Um, especially in Japan. Yes. And um, I forget their name. It, Tom. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to get this. Ah, Thomas Baldinet is a website. Mm-hmm. Under his name. Mm-hmm. Scholar of Japan, Asian queer culture. Um, who I'd seen kind of bopping around Twitter, and so I I listened to it, and it was uh, yeah, it was really great. Yeah, Actually, they talk about queer rating. Yeah, um, and you know it's always fun to like dip into a podcast about something I only know a little bit about, mm-hmm. and uh, and and other people really into, and mm-hmm. it's like kind of fun to like peek in on that. Yeah, so um, that was good. Uh, I have two thick wrecks from Devereaux's disease. The first one is Tempo, which is about, uh, I think it's just a one shot about Hannibal teaching Will how to waltz. So it's like a, a dancing. Oh. 
And then there's a current one that just started. It is in progress called A Clutch at Balance. And it is a fake dating. (laughs) Fake dating. Uh, It's after the Alana will kiss. And Hannibal suggests that maybe if Will was dating somebody and then they broke up, Alana would like get off her ass. Oh, but I'm sure there's ulterior motives. But <laughs> so I read the first. Maybe if you were fake dating me, yeah. <laughs> we'd just suddenly really be dating. Oh, it'd be great. <laughs> uh, it makes it even funnier because it's like this renowned psychiatrist who's called <laughs> be like. So I think it's part of your just treatment. Fake dating. <laughs> You'd have a fake dating. <laughs> How much am I paying you? <laughs> Too much. Too much. Um, On a more serious bent, uh, the Betwixt the Sheets podcast had an episode uh, about serial killers and misogyny. Mm. Um, It was with the writer Hallie Rubenhold, who has written a book about the victims of Jack the Ripper. Because, as she says, when serial killers are being discussed... The emphasis is on the wrong thing. Yeah. It shouldn't be about them. Yeah. It should be about the people. And, uh, you know, she wanted to write about these women because mm-hmm. she's like, these were people. They're not just to their death. They were fully realized people. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to try to look up her books. It was really great. It really, and it really points out like some, like the, in the true crime genre, I'm like, yeah. I know there's been a lot of talk about this with the Dahmer yes. show. Yes. And who you like what the narrative is and who it focuses on, how it um is taken by family mm-hmm. and survivors and friends. Well in the Dahmer case, like you've had family of the victims come out recently and before recently and say, We don't want this. Like we don't mm-hmm. want this. You know, we don't want him like to be like some anti-hero and mm-hmm. glorify his stuff, and we don't want to see those crimes reenacted. And it's like nobody cares. Yeah, and I'm always like, why do you need another one of these? Yeah, out there, like what? Why we know what happened? Why does it need to happen to be doing this again? Yeah, and it's all definitely sensationalized. And there's, you know, the big Hollywood actor playing mm-hmm. the serial killer. And yeah, so there's nothing but sensationalized mm-hmm. stuff, which is just so, I don't know. Like, if you really feel like you have to tell the story, then definitely tell the, tell the story from the victims mm-hmm. and families of the victim. If you really feel like this is the thing you're drawn to yeah. talking about. But as we talk about a show about serial killers, which is for me the very much like... Like the separating the what ha- really happens and the fiction. Yeah. Like the two of those. I things. mean, Hannibal is complete fantasy on so many levels. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people who are into true crime or some of the people I've talked about who are into true crime don't get Hannibal mm. because they want that, that sort of like the cops are figuring it out and mm-hmm. what's the story behind, you know, that kind of thing. And you don't get that from Hannibal at all. No. Um, which is why I like it, because it is completely fictional. There's no tidy resolution. Never. Um, It's more mythical. I feel like Hannibal kind of taps into, to, to like, almost like weird wish fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Like, 
the whole he does stuff to rude people. I'm like, I wish I could do shit to rude people. <laughs> Maybe not quite this level, but it, it is that little like, you know, you have those thoughts. I think if you don't have those thoughts, you might be lying. Absolutely. Um, so there's just that. And then it's also like how it's presented, how it's filmed. Mm-hmm. The You know, it's a whole package. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the true crime stuff. And I was really fascinated with true crime when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 also I'm like you your entertainment is based on the suffering of other people yeah and I feel the same way sometimes about like uh, ghost hunters and things like that oh, and ghost stories big where time. I'm like so you're ghost hunting on something and you're like somebody was murdered here somebody mm-hmm. was this here this person tortured these people and i'm like so you if you believe in this then you're saying that like this hobby that i have is rooted in the pain and suffering of other people i could go on a whole hour rant about <laughs> ghost hunters and that bullshit <laughs> put a pin in that for after we wrap this all up and we just talk about shit for an hour uh, i can't even but yeah it's it is the same it's similar and i i do enjoy some true crime stuff mm-hmm. i did not watch the Dahmer thing and i won't watch any of that stuff um I, you know, read Helter Skelter and loved that book. But that was really like a deep dive into the the legal case around it, mm. the, what the police did around it, that kind of thing. And that's fascinating from a psychological perspective. Mm-hmm. I still think we need that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, I just, it's just one of those things like you can either feel it or not when it feels too. Exploited. Yeah. Exploitative. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, what was I going to say? I can't remember. I mean, it is, I think, you know, they say people like it because they're sort of that there by the grace of God go I mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing of, um, on the other hand, I think it makes people really paranoid because folks are like, I like to, you know, watch it because it's not happening to me, but maybe it could happen to me. So now I'm being really right. careful. And I'm like, well, careful's you with like a ring camera that is, and then you calling the cops about some random black man walking by right like that's not the solution and possibly your footage being able or being handed over to Mm -hmm. police Mm -hmm. and stuff i like really think about how these things are working on you yeah the conversation like never goes to community care and like how how are we producing folks like this anyways and Mm -hmm. why do they get outside of any sort of community so far that they can isolate themselves and then get in like do this Mm mm-hmm it never goes there. Yeah. So, but oddly enough, it kind of goes there with Hannibal. Like Hannibal talks about those things, mm-hmm. you know, like being other mm-hmm. and being different and not finding anybody like yourself in the world and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff that we should be talking about. Yep. So anyway, <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> That's where we stand right now. Uh, let's see. Oh, and my last link that I had was frock flicks in the last week or so. I did their, uh, it's, they're MCM. It's on Mondays. I don't know if that stands for Man Candy Mondays, but they've also had women. Oh, so really? I oh. think they had um, Emma Thompson once, which side oh. note, bud, it's okay. Emma Thompson's recent, I think they had like a a night in honor of Alan Rickman. Uh-huh. 
And they were talking about how the excerpts from his journals were published in The Guardian or something like oh. that. It's re- I recommend reading it. It's, it's in two parts. I've only read the first part. He is a very keen observer. Mm. He has a very excellent way with words. Mm-hmm. Just cuts to the bone on things. Um, but just it was like, as a friend of his, just the way she talked about him was mm. amazing. And also just the way she talked because, you know, she's trained in how to talk like yeah. this and she made it both like it was incredibly like professional and mm-hmm. kind of dramatic in a way but mm-hmm. also very personal mm-hmm. so i really recommend that but uh frog Flicks did their mcm on mads they talked about his you know they just do a little like blurb about the historical film and then pictures of the outfits um, but I know that I remember a lot of the comments were like, hell yeah, you know, just like, mm, looks so good in this or that or whatever. Uh, and so it's, it's just nice to see it all laid out like that. All yeah. His, yeah. I, I did see that. The, all of his gorgeous. Yep. Yep. Looks that he's done. So good. So I think that's everything that I had. Mm-hmm. Been hanging on to those for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we get to recap Jen's favorite episode. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Mizumono and like the very end are also really, really good. But other than that, <laughs> you need to have the this comfort is episode. Such a great episode. Um, so starting out when the got the scene, this is one of the hard scenes for me in Hannibal. The head. Oh, some of them the are dinner just party those, where yes. he's going to eat Will's brain. Yes, because he's just being an insufferable pain in the ass. <laughs> he's just sad, sad, sad baby. This will make me less sad. It makes less sad. I take my crush and rip his brain open and eat it in front of him. Um, and then they are surprise. Mm-hmm. It's the policia. No. It's the policia that has been paid off by Mason right, to find right. them. And I said, I wondered if, like, you know, Hannibal has this almost supernatural ability to know things. Mm-hmm. And I really wonder, like, he's so focused on Will. Yeah. That he doesn't even realize yeah. what's happening. Yeah. The, I was watching it this time and I was like, oh, Hannibal just kind of, like, gave up. Whereas other, t- you know, we've already seen him in combat situations mm-hmm. where he probably could have fought back, mm-hmm. but he gave up. And I think he gave up because Will's incapacitated. Mm. And even though he's about to eat Will's brain, <laughs> he's like, does it kind of just to save them both? And he knows that, like, they're probably going to the farm. So mm-hmm. they'll have other, like, means to get out later. Yeah, like he probably could have fought and gotten away on his own. Oh, right. He would have left well. Yeah, he definitely could have gotten away on his own, but he just goes to his knees and puts his hands behind his head mm-hmm. to get out of there with Will, basically, mm-hmm. which is really interesting to me. It bookends the episode. Yeah, it does. As it starts, so it ends. Yeah. Both times he gives up to the police mm-hmm. to be, be closer to Will, as close yeah. as he can get. Yep. Um. I was uh, loving that moment of badass Chiu. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wish we had more of her in mm-hmm. the series. I wish we had like the backstory more. I want her motivation. Yeah, because I said it later, like when she is leaving at the end, and it's just the thing where I'm like, you don't know, like, why is she here? What is the draw? And 
Why does she care? They hint about stuff, but they never mm-hmm. get to it. So yeah. need her back. Need her back. Justin was pointing out uh, how everybody walks like a model in this episode. And I was like, I think she actually is a model. I'm sure she's done modeling. <laughs> yeah. It's just the <clears throat> that model step, like one foot in front of the other, yeah. a little bit sway. Yeah. And then the clothes are so tailored and perfect. Like mm-hmm. her collar and everything mm-hmm. is just like... And- I, I, I haven't pinpointed it, but they handle guns very differently in the show. Like, they don't really show them that much. They're not fetishized at all. Mm. They're there, and they have, like, everything you know about guns, but they're not, they're not, like, a, they're not symbolic pieces. Yeah, they're well, not all like, pew, 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 pew. Well, it's a little <laughs> yeah, more knives fights, yeah. in this show. Well, yeah, and after watching Kim Porsche, where they're, like, throwing guns around, I, and I'm like, dude, even just watching that. Knowing their props still makes me uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Because you can still kill somebody with a prop gun. Yeah. It's happened. Yeah, it makes me very nervous. Recently, yeah. It makes me very nervous to see them run around with guns. That's why I hate Stray Kids videos lately. They've been, like, (laughs) pointing guns at each other in their own head. I'm like, stop! Don't do that! No, it's bad news. And there's always in fix people tucking a gun into the back of their pants. I'm like, you're going to shoot your ass! (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, I do appreciate, like, there's guns in Hannibal, but not, like, a ton of guns. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. They're they're yeah. sort of seen as, like, I guess if you have to, you can shoot somebody. But why would you do that, do that when you can... There's so <laughs> many more there's so intimate... Many great ways to yeah, kill someone. Yeah, intimate ways to kill someone and hurt yep. them. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. And I like at the end of this how this scene, like, Jack, it's, it's like nothing touches him anymore. He's just, like... He's rolling with it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> like, this is it. Fuck my life. Yeah. He doesn't actually even believe that he's, anything's happening anymore. I know. He's like, like, yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we arrest you. Great. Yeah, yeah I like, he's it. just seen so We're much shit car. at this point. It's completely disassociated. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I don't care. that with them again. Now they're gone. Now I got to find him again. <laughs> It'll happen eventually. Yeah. Um, next, we have Margot and Alana, as I said, in their power lesbian Ugh. mode. So that's one of the, I mean, that's one of the great things about this episode is you get a lot of murder wives mm-hmm. and they're fabulous mm-hmm. together. And um, yeah, I just love Margot. Yeah. And her outfits. I love that gold top. It's so good. I'm like, oh God. And as I said, Justin, I'm like, she's that pretty in real life. She really is. And she's tiny too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was noting, God, Mason, I'm kind of glad he's gone. I mean, he's a great villain, yeah, but I'm glad he's gone because he's so fucking disgusting. Yeah, he's gross. But I was just looking, like the styling on him in this episode, like mm-hmm. the way his hair is like sticking up and everything was totally perfect. He just looks like somebody's angry, ranting grandpa. Yeah. Who's totally no hold on reality. Mm-hmm. So out there. And... This part where he's, uh, when he's comparing, he's talking about the pigs, and then he's comparing Hannibal to a pig, and then he mm-hmm. sticks him with the mm-hmm. knife and all. I was like, I wonder if that really, like, pissed the shit out of Hannibal, because of the way he <laughs> views people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was a very good way to turn it back mm-hmm. on him. Um, But yeah, just this whole thing of, like, the back and forth here, I was like... Oh, wait, I'm trying to read my note. That doesn't make any sense. Take a drink. <laughs> Just skip it. 
Mm. That's our drinking game. Can't read my note. Yeah, can't read my note. <laughs> Take a shot. Okay, I'll skip ahead them. The dinner, the <gasps> dinner scene. I love it. So, yeah, I mean, when Will bites his cheek off, that's like up there in my top five power couple moments. <laughs> <laughs> like with the hand bandaging and the obvious other ones. But I love it so much because... Like, Will does it, and then he immediately looks at Hannibal. Like, did I do a good job? Am I a good boy? And Hannibal gets this, like, please smile on his face. Like, Well, and it's, um, like, it's so visceral and, like, kind of, like, wild. That's, like, a wild Mm -hmm. way. And because Hannibal's sitting there looking incredibly pleased with himself through yes. the entire thing. He's like looking around like, this is interesting. This yeah. is novel. Uh-huh. This, I'm, you know, like he's curious what's going to happen. <laughs> Which, you know, it probably is in a way. Because right. he's like, well, something's <laughs> happening. I'm not like, bored anymore. Yeah. He's like, something exciting <laughs> is happening. And as Alana p- points out that he's always playing mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how it... I, I like how it um, destroys, like, Cordell is, like I said, is sometimes shown as, like, this uh, inferior version mm-hmm. of Hannibal and how he's talking about food and stuff and being all refined. And then as soon as Will bites him, it's like, that's gone. Right. He's real pissed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that Will does that is just, it's shocking on so many levels, but we also because we've seen Will so reserved throughout the season until then. And so like not himself and he's going through his own sort of breakup sadness. Um, and then to see that kind of violence from him mm-hmm. is just really fabulous. And you can tell that Hannibal's really pleased yeah, yeah. too. <laughs> I like the fact Hannibal's also the only one eating anything. He's sitting there like totally do. Trying this out. Um, <laughs> like, look at all these people trying to be me. Yes. Yeah. But I was like, it, it is like a good, I think it's like a hint of how Hannibal and Will together would deal with someone. Like, it's kind of like yeah. almost like the good cop, bad cop routine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and it's definitely like sort of a little like, okay, this is how they're going to take down the Red Dragon, too. Like, you see that viciousness mm-hmm. come out in both of them. So you see like a little bit of it in Will. And it's also just because Mason is just going on and on and on about his whole theory about how he's so awesome because he's the apex predator where he's going to like eat everybody and blah, 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 blah. And he's just like fronting. He's just he like he can't. He's not that guy. Mm -hmm. We know that. And like that Will does that is like a little bit of yeah, it's definitely a power couple like. And no, you're fucking playing with like lions and Mm -hmm. you're going to die. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Well, it's also the thing I like the fact that like the only reason Mason can do anything is because he has so much money. Right. Like he buys everything. Yeah. That he needs. Mm -hmm. And the just the the disrespect for that, Mm -hmm. the, the way that like people can get around that. And get the upper hand. Like, I really liked it. Because yeah. that is the thing. He's just, he just holds money over everybody. Mm-hmm. Even the stuff of, like, uh, Margot, you know, it's the whole thing of, you know, if Mason dies without an heir, everything goes to the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. And she still cares about everything. Yeah. Like, she doesn't just walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, 
She isn't like, well, you know what? Then I'll just go get a job, <laughs> do stuff. She still puts up with it for the fortune. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, I like the. He thinks he's so powerful, and he's not. Uh, I will say that the the Will's delivery of the "you're going to eat him with my face" <laughs> was so like I was like all the shit that they've been through, and that's the thing where he's like, "You're gonna do what? Wait a minute." <laughs> yeah, like, we just back up for a second here. <laughs> we don't quite get this. Now that's camp. Thank mm-hmm. you, Brian Fuller. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wondered, like I said, with uh, with Cordell, like Hannibal's looking at him, and I was like, I wonder if Hannibal would have enjoyed his company to a point in a different situation. Oh, Mason Berger? No, Cordell. Oh, Cordell. Like okay. I don't think he would have seen him as an equal because mm-hmm. that's only Will. Mm-hmm. Um. But he does seem to be sort of like, oh, like, you kind of get some of this shit. Right. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Cordell is, ugh, he's awful. I know. I know. It's the fact that he, like, oh, yeah, he's gross. Um, I told Justin I ended up having a weird search thing because when Mason is talking about having, having taken... Margot's ovaries uh-huh. and transplant, like put them into a surrogate. <laughs> a surrogate, and stuff. yeah. Well, at first I had to go look. I was like, do they do uh-huh. ovary transplants? They do. Uh huh. But I was also thinking, like, could would it have been effective? I don't know if that's like with uh with egg harvesting, where you have to go in all the hormones mm-hmm. to like get mm-hmm. everything going and primed and mm-hmm. all that like if he just took them at the opportunity that he had mm-hmm. would it have like would they have even been useful right i don't quite i am not a doctor I or a biologist know. i don't know but i had a moment where i was like oh could that really happen i have to go look us up online <laughs> um and uh when mason makes the comment about i guess like kicking in her maternal instincts and i was like he's mistaking maternal for murderous like he does not realize that he has just made the step too far yeah yeah and i mean margot god she's so good at this like portraying this sort of like completely disassociated from all the trauma that she's been through her entire life and like yeah you just see her like kind of snap in this episode Mm -hmm. and be like yeah, that's it. Like, now that I have a partner that I know has my back, like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's 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 everything coming together, like the partner and then that they have Hannibal that they can weaponize mm-hmm. as well. It's just like, well, she's been really isolated, too. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, really by herself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like having, you know, you said having somebody on her side. And somebody who's like her. Yeah, because, you know, Alana is, in her way, like, pretty ruthless. Mm-hmm. Um, I noted I like how Alana's in black and white mm. through this whole episode. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, that she's, like, kind of in that middle place. I mean, I think she still is, like, I want to be a good person, but I she's not in a position to be a good person. She just shoots, like, straight up shoots the guard. I know. She's I was like, go. Like, <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> At that point, you're like, you know what? This dude sucks. <laughs> like, fuck all these people. We got to get the fuck out of here. Um, 
I said that uh, I had a note here that Will suddenly gets morals now that something would harm Hannibal. Oh. But is he mad because it's not him getting to take down Hannibal? Who knows what's going on in Will Graham's mind? <laughs> I don't think Will Graham knows what's going on in Will Graham's mind. <laughs> I think I he's just know. mad. I think he's just fucking mad. He's just fucking angry. I don't blame him. Yeah. Um, I really like... Well, I love this whole negotiation scene with Hannibal while he's tied up. Oh, Yes. It's so good. Yeah, where he's like offering himself up as an alibi because he's just like, you know, what the fuck? Like, yeah. they're totally going to believe it. Yeah. He's like, use me. And this is what we talked about in therapy anyways. It's Here healthy go. for you. <laughs> it's healthy for you. It's going to help your <laughs> therapy. It's like we were continuing. He's like, I, I think you should do it yourself. But you know, <laughs> take care of it. And I like that he is. Ever professional. That even tied up, he's the most powerful person in the room. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, that's hot. <laughs> well, it's also like a, um, like a foreshadowing of him when he's in prison, or like in Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. where, I guess it's in Silence of the Lambs, where I guess Jack says, like, don't let him get into your head, right? When he's mourning Clarice. Uh huh. And it's like, it's the same thing where they're talking and I would just part of me is like, be careful what you're saying to him and be careful <laughs> what you're revealing because yeah. he's taking note of everything. It is really similar to Hannibal being in jail with Clarice and Hannibal being like tied up in a pig pen, just like doming from the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was thinking of such a power move saying, you don't even have to cut me down. Just cut, get my hand free. Yeah. 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 Like, that's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> just one. Just one. Um, self-contained. And I love, I particularly love the shot when Alana opens up the gate mm-hmm. and is like down as the two of them on either side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like, I, it's the thing. I'm like, at this point, you know, Alana is just like, nothing to fucking lose. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's really sweet that she's still like, please save Will. Just mm-hmm. promise me that you'll save Will. I'm like, aw. Everybody still thinks that. I don't know. <laughs> that he's also a little meow meow. I don't know. I think so. She's like, please save my little meow meow. <laughs> Will is the littlest meow meow. <laughs> he would resent that because he, does he even like cats? <laughs> Who knows? Um, I said to Justin, the shot of Hannibal standing up and taking that collar oh, off and all. God. I was like, I said, I feel like this probably did a lot for people's sexuality. <laughs> Well, and now when I see it, all I can think about is the con where Scott Thompson and Aaron Abrams, like somebody brought that collar because mm. they won it on the the auction, uh-huh. the prop auction, and they bought they brought it to the con and they put it on Scott and he was kneeling down and Aaron was like, <laughs> this describes the fandom perfect. Yes, indeed. <laughs> he's also just looking up to heaven while he's taking it off too. Yeah, like. Well, it's the whole thing of like you have he's not looking and then when he looks forward it's like Yeah, yeah so good. Um, a million watt light bulb. Yeah. Yeah, that was fucking hot as shit. And he's got that disgusted yeah. look on his face. Oh that's does that look so well. So this is the part actually where I stopped I was watching it last night. I stopped it because I thought that um 
what you can do, I, I'm not good at editing, right? So what mm-hmm. you can do is if you stop it there mm-hmm. and then you go to Netflix mm-hmm. and you hit Polar mm-hmm. and I wrote down the times, <laughs> which we'll put in the show notes, mm-hmm. and you hit Polar, I think it's like a minute and 27 seconds in, um, that's where he's in the same barn because it was filmed in the same barn, mm-hmm. tied up again, as Matt's always is. Mm-hmm. And he um, escapes... And there's a lot more guns in it, and he is much more bloodier because he's been more tortured. Mm-hmm. Just like decimates forty guards and walks out. And then, so if you watch that, mm-hmm. and then you go back to Hannibal, then you can watch him step out of the barn with the bloody mm. um, hammer, hammer in his hand, and it kind of fits perfectly Ooh. if you like blur your eyes a little bit. Because we lost that, um, mm-hmm. and it was in the original script. There's like two pages of script where he is, he's got the hammer, and he's like just wailing away on guards mm-hmm. and killing everybody at the farm. Um, and we don't see that. It was cut probably for budget reasons, I guess. Um, and then he- That's wa- a lot of extras. Yeah. And then he walks out with the bloody hammer and goes to save yeah. save the day. Yeah, that is a lot of extras, a lot of um, fake blood budget, a lot of action scenes to work on. We already know that he's the ultimate badass. It's not telling us anything new. Yes. Well, and it's also him stepping out now fully clothed with a hammer (laughs) covered in blood. And you're like, what (laughs) the fuck just happened in there? Where did you find the Ralph Lauren ensemble you're wearing? (laughs) Those are well-paid guards. He just stripped it off of them. But yeah, so if you like go watch Polar, it's very satisfying. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely give that. So well, we can look that up. Don't watch all of Polar. <laughs> just, we just saw that one part. together, right? We watched oh, together. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but, a little... Folks, the dog ties. Uh, some parts are good. Some parts not so good. He does look hot as shit, though. He does look hot as shit. Um, I made... I don't quite remember. I think it was right at that point or right around this section that I noticed that um, the bull roar sound is back. Oh, they use it. interesting. It comes up again. And I was, and I, I don't know if it was, um, I think it might be when he steps out, but yeah, I was like, yeah, <laughs> and I noticed in the very beginning, like will hallucinates the Wendigo again. I yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think, that's one of the reasons why I love this episode other than the just sheer ridiculousness of it is it just gives me those Hannibal feels again like Mm -hmm. in a way that some of the episodes before this haven't really been Mm -hmm. doing it for me and this one has like everybody's back on track (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. because it does get kind of emo for a while oh well the end of this episode Uh, um I did make a note I'm like poor Will getting more drugs put into himself again <laughs> like how many times has this poor man been drugged with something okay stop explaining i've this is not my first time yeah, yeah. Uh, but then he's like you're gonna be immobilized but you're gonna be able to feel everything as i cut your face off uh, no um and then the pig baby section <laughs> which I was said the Margot and Alana's like double looks of horror. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how this is like how many ways Margot has been violated. Yeah. Like it's beyond just 
the physical. Yeah. Like him having the surgery done on her and that it's like how her bodily autonomy is still being taken away even when mm-hmm. it's not happening to her body. Yeah. Um and uh I mean I I don't blame her for anything that she does. <laughs> nope. The whole section is like, I think probably the most real horror that I've ever seen on a like television show on NBC. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe like, I was like, I forget that it's crazy. It went on TV. Yeah. Like there's a the baby and a pig and they take it out and they show it. And a dead baby. A dead baby and they show it and then they Skinning go. Skinning the face. And I think there is an act break for a commercial. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're like. For Tide. Tide. <laughs> yeah. New Tide Gets out your. Get out blood stains. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> I need to go back and look at that again. It's Miss so... pigs in a blanket. <laughs> yeah, it's so... <laughs> see pigs in a blanket. Um, it's so horrific mm-hmm. on so many levels. Like you said, like the bodily autonomy stuff, and just like yeah, like the 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 dead baby, and then they go to Mason and they're like, yeah, so we have everything we need. We're gonna kill you. Um, and her line about we used the cattle prod, cattle prod. <laughs> holding up the vial on network TV. Holding up the vial, thank you, on network TV. I'm like, have I ever seen that before on network yeah, television? No. Like, would they ever like even on like a hospital show where maybe it would be normal for them to? No, yeah, and they're like, Hannibal showed us how. <laughs> Let's run through that scene. <laughs> Get back to this for a second. Hannibal showed us how to, yeah, stimulate the prostate with a <laughs> cattle, cattle prod. prod. Okay. <laughs> Party Moving <trick>. on. <laughs> so that me and my brand new girlfriend <laughs> can inherit all of your estate. Can have a baby together to inherit this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And then they throw him in the eel tank. <laughs> And his misshapen, misfigured face gets like an eel, like going down his throat to get what? what? It's like eel face fucking. <laughs> what? How did that? Like how, Brian Fuller? How did you do that on NBC? It was a fucking miracle. Is what it was. <laughs> like, maybe it just happened so fast. People were like, I don't even. I, possibly, like, I don't it could be like in uh, Fight Club, where he had something so much worse. They were like, Yeah, we'll go with that other yeah. thing. Just never bring that one up again. <laughs> Well, and I noticed in this that when uh, Margot pushes him into the eel pool, yeah. I mean, it's he has the gun. Mm-hmm. She thinks he's going to shoot Alana. Uh-huh. So she pushes him. The gun goes off and shatters the glass. And he ends up falling into the eel pool. Mm. And it is the thing of like, Hannibal had been like, you need to kill him. But it's not like she had to strangle him or shoot right, him or anything. Right. Like, she was defending Alana. And I wonder if it gives a little bit of, like, she technically killed him. Because she's not... Well, then they do hold him under. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. he wouldn't have gotten out. I mean, they didn't have to do that. Yeah. He couldn't get out. Yeah. He would have drowned anyway. Yeah. Um, but if it's a little sort of peace of mind of, like, why I just had to do it. Yeah. Because he was going to shoot her and I was protecting her. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, when they're both like laid out on the floor and Margo's like soaked and it was great. <laughs> but also, how the fuck did that get on TV? And it did remind me of like watching all those sort of 
feminist horror movies like it's mm-hmm. in that same tradition because it's like alana margot like killing this guy and getting back like it made me want to go back and like watch jennifer's body again mm. yeah i saw people talking about it on facebook it's evan apparently watched it oh yeah yeah she's going through like a horror thing now yeah but, yeah it's so good it's um, so i've good. never seen it well and there's a long tradition of women making f- feminist statements and mm. horror i mean sleepaway camp one of the big time, like, you know, crazy horror films was directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember reading a bit about that because I did a lot of women's studies mm-hmm. stuff back in college. And yeah, talking about when they were like the different narratives that yeah. come through women's produced projects. Yeah. Um, and then I liked it. Was it Alana who made the comment, we're all dead? Oh, I think so. Yeah, like Ugh. like like once you're in Hannibal's sight, yeah, like you're all dead. And it's and I, I like how it's. I mean, it kind of frees everybody up to just do shit. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. like you like like what's gonna happen? Like we're just gonna go ahead and do this, and <laughs> they're great. Love them. Ah. Love them. Um, the ending well mm. we get there's the bridal carry mm, the bridal carry the didn't that was the one that hurt Matt's back right mm, yeah he threw his back out carrying and that was that his idea to do that carry? yeah yeah it was because i think they like originally had it like fireman carry. over yeah he's like no i would carry him this way <laughs> tenderly so i can stare at his face all the way well i guess really that's him walking out of the farm, right? Yeah. Okay. I was trying. I was like, I like how people joke and they're like, "Did he walk all the way back to <laughs> all the way to Northern Virginia?" It would take it several days <laughs> from Western Maryland. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Up from like Elkton, <laughs> <laughs> all the way around the Beltway out sixty six, <laughs> just bridal carrying him as they bled out <laughs> down Route One. Yeah, <laughs> walk around the side of the DC Beltway. <laughs> That explains why traffic's backed up again. <laughs> um, sorry, that's some regional humor there. Sorry. <laughs> no, I listen to all these podcasts from LA, so I know all about LA traffic. And, oh yeah, like, so, the come on, like the we've, we've got we've got traffic. I also know about how like the temperature can be vastly different in different parts of LA because it's <laughs> so large mm-hmm. and all the different geographies, mm-hmm. um, and how everyone's like. I can't remember. Oh, I think it was the Forever 35 podcast where they were talking about in the fall and people get the urge to go to like pumpkin patches. And they're like, that's not fun in LA when it's like 90 degrees. The funniest part for me when I lived in San Francisco was seeing tourists freezing to death. Because they don't realize. They're like, we're in California. We're going to wear shorts. Mm -hmm. And then they get to San Francisco. They're like, oh, my God. It's 65 degrees and foggy. I was in San Francisco (laughs) in January. Yeah. Which is milder than here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was like, and I think it was pretty rainy when I was there and all. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. It is. It's it's great if you like overcast days. And then I've been in Santa Cruz in the summer, which is much more summary mm-hmm. once the fog burns off mm-hmm. i fucking loved it i wish i could have lived there then couldn't afford it then really couldn't afford it now <laughs> microclimates are fun <sighs> yeah. um so the whole ending the breakup scene i love 
the revisit of the Mizumuna music. <gasps> I know! So beautiful. So... I have a note that the dialogue is so ridiculous when divorced from the visuals and music. Like, they really <laughs> give it the weight. And I also had a note that Will is a stone-cold bitch. Yes. <laughs> like, he is yes. fucking done. <laughs> he is so done. He's done, and he's like, I'm done with your bullshit. I'm done with your craziness. I'm done. Just leave me alone. And I was like, he's setting up boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I think that Hannibal is trying to be mad, but he's really just sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's so great to see like kind of crazy dialogue, but acted by these actors who by now in season three have like such a bond anyway. Mm -hmm. And then like they're so they're so fucking good like to see mads and his like doesn't even need to speak doesn't need to have dialogue and like you know exactly what's going mm-hmm. on with him uh-huh. <laughs> oh god <laughs> well and it's um it's like hannibal's trying to like get them back mm-hmm. to where they were mm-hmm. or something like that and and the the dialogue you know the the teacup and the rules of disorder. Mm-hmm. It's like, he's like, okay, we're going to slide back into yeah. the conversations that we used to have and stuff like that. And Will's like, no, no. no. I mean, I think for Hannibal too, and probably like Will at this time doesn't like understand like the bigger arc of it, unless we assume that they've had conversations off screen that we don't know about. But what Hannibal's trying to get back to is not just, how he was with Will, but how he thinks he can be with Will. Mm-hmm. That's like how he was with Misha mm-hmm. and his life before whatever happened, happened. Mm-hmm. Not that anything happened because Hannibal just happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. But he's not just trying to get back with Will. He's trying to get back to this point in his life where like things were whole where Mm -hmm. he wasn't a broken person and somehow he thinks will can give that to Mm -hmm. him um but i think it's not just about will uh because we see like the crazy notebook Mm -hmm. with the crazy uh quantum physics calculations calculations. so like at some point you're like oh this dude's really crazy (laughs) yeah well, I wonder if it's a way he's like, he's never, I mean, I wonder if he feels like he's just not, like, he's like, I can't give Hannibal what he wants. Right. Yeah, which is, is like, totally justifiable. Well, it's like, I'm not your guy. Yeah. Like, you try to make me your guy, and I am not your guy. Yeah. I miss my dogs. I don't miss you. Yeah. <laughs> he also has, he's also wearing his glasses again, so his defenses mm-hmm. are up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't think he's wearing them when he's in bed, but when he walks out the front door. Mm. He's wearing them. Wow. And I was like, and I, yeah, good call, Justin. I noticed Very that good too. good call. Um, because I, I was like, yeah, he hasn't worn them. Yeah. I don't think this whole season. Yeah. So, and I, yeah, I had a, um, a tweet that I captured from um, uh, Will Graham's Boxers, who mentions that this scene, you have to assume that not only did Hannibal carry him back, but then like took his clothes off, bathed him, dressed his wounds, put clothes back on him, put him in bed, like watched him sleeping. <laughs> like, it's been a good 24 hours. 
Yeah. He had time to like build himself a whole narrative about how things are going to yeah. go and a story. Yeah. And- so like when you think about all that, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Out of all. <laughs> you're a fucking mess. <laughs> um, eventually... The cops show up. And I was like, um, I'm sorry. I would think as soon as Jack was like, well, they've gone back to Maryland, they would have somebody staking out Will's house. Right. But Mason did say in the beginning of the episode something about how he had said he had told the Italian police mm-hmm. that um, that Jack Crawford was like harassing him mm. and doing all stuff. So I think they put that. I think they put that in there to say like Jack might have been delayed from mm. getting out of the country, yeah. to do anything about it. I guess. I mean, Although I thought he, he would have gotten on like, the phone. Yeah, he could have <laughs> called the FBI and like, hey, hey, Hannibal and Will have disappeared. I'm pretty sure they're headed to Maryland yeah. in some capacity, and you might want to start. Yeah. So I think yeah, there was that little blurb about like. Jack Crawford's been delayed, and then they're never going to get a search warrant on the farm because of Mason's connections, Mm -hmm. political and Mm police-wise. So I think that was put in there to kind of like say, yeah, you're not going to see the police till later. Well, and if you think about it, the whole bit, everything that happens at Muskrat Farm is like within 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels like they've got Hannibal for a while and all this shit's happening, but it's really fast. <laughs> shit just goes down. It goes yeah. fucking down. <laughs> um, but, well, I mean, in my last note, it says Hannibal is such a bitchy ex. <laughs> but- I, I have to say, like the little scene with him and Chio on the porch, I really don't like that they took that, the the between iron and silver quote, which is straight from. Um, one of the Hannibal books. Mm -hmm. And it's about Hannibal talking about Clarice Mm. because he's making a play on words with Starling and Sterling Mm. Silver. Um, And I like as a Hannibal Clarice shipper, Mm -hmm. I just really hate that they pulled that out Mm. and used it for somebody else. Mm. Like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Because Clarice also had like a little like burn mark from like the like one of the guns going off or something mm. so he was he was making this whole like allusion Roughly, yeah. to like yeah iron between iron and sterling and silver mm-hmm. and i was like no <laughs> <laughs> doesn't work when you don't have the never mind yeah whatever anyway uh, <laughs> other than that perfect <laughs> and the and i for me again it was the thing of like why is Gio here what is the connection yeah. why does she care blah 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 um but the it's, I mean, God, Hannibal's so fucking dramatic. So Just dramatic. the fact that he's been mopey and sad. And then he's going to eat Will. And now he's like, well, I guess I'll put myself in jail for Will. Like, And I mean, it is the, it's like being a stalkery ex without actually stalking. <laughs> yeah, it's like he really, for somebody who's so in control and it's, it's like seems to understand everything, he doesn't understand Will or his feelings about Will, clearly. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he can't, like, get it around it. I wonder if it, like, appeals to him in a way that he might not even realize is that it's always kind of a surprise. Like, yeah. he's constantly surprised by Will. It, I think he's surprised by how he feels and reacts around yeah. him and everything. Yeah. I mean, I give you Jen. It's a good episode. That's so good. <laughs> a lot of shit happens. A lot of stuff I just can't believe is on TV. <laughs> oh, God. The part, I was going to say another gross part is when they show real close when the peeling mason's 
Oh, Our I know. Cordell's face off. I was like, oh. Yeah, they show like the teeth and like all the viscera and everything. What? Oh, God, How so did that gross. happen? I said to Justin that when Mason, like the Cordell's face falls off of him, mm-hmm. I said he reminds me of Julia in the first Hellraiser film when mm-hmm. she's like being put back together and mm-hmm. she's just a, she doesn't have any skin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally what he looked like. It's very Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Oof, good stuff. We're on to the next arc. Can't wait to see Richard Armitage, Richard Poolboy. Poolboy. <laughs> Do your little yoga. <laughs> Be a fucking badass. Um, so, yeah, that would, uh... And when they filmed this, mm-hmm. they didn't know they were canceled yet, right? I don't... Were they just worried? They think so. They were again worried. But I also think... I that Brian Fuller has said ev- he treated every season like their last. Mm-hmm. So he was just like, yeah, if it ends, it ends. I don't know if they'd officially heard by now or not. I feel like he said that they didn't know they were canceled until they were editing this or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> just that smashing two, two seasons together thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's probably why, like at some point he was like, Oh shit. Okay. Let's put it together. together. It's imperfect, but I will take it. Yeah. Um, so that was season three, episode seven. Onwards and upwards. <laughs> More crazy shit. More crazy shit. Um, do you have any recommendations for people? I, I don't have any recommendations. I feel like we should just mention, though, I'm sure the entire fandom is watching Interview with the Vampire. But if you haven't, please do. It's got serious hanogram feels, and it's amazing. Oh, yeah. The writing is amazing. It's beautiful. The actors are amazing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, very uh, hanogram dynamic. Do so. you feel like even if it is made changes to the original books that in spirit, it is very close? In spirit, it is very close. I think, um, you know, I've seen the, some behind the scenes stuff and the people who are writing it, the people who are making the big decisions around it are making decisions that I think are really like, they make sense. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from someone who read like interview with the vampire back in the day, yeah. like in the eighties or whatever, when I was still a kid and my brain was forming. Um, and I think everything is like, yeah, because there's a lot of stuff in the original text that was not addressed, especially like the racism stuff. Um, and like a lot of the, um, you know, like, everybody was always like, are they gay? Are they not gay? And we'll always have that conversation with Anne Rice. And she changed her answer every Mm -hmm. time she answered. And now they're like, canonically, very much dealing with Yeah, I mean, they are gay, but they're also dealing with that, like in the time history Mm -hmm. that they're put in, especially Louis, and like that he can't come out because of who he is and and what time period he's living in. And it's just it's, it just adds extra flavor yeah. to it doesn't take away anything it's fucking fabulous and, and the guy who plays Lestat is like he's amazing I was really like when I just saw pictures of him I was yeah. like I don't know me like, too because mm. there's always despite his power in my head a feigness to mm-hmm. Lestat and this guy is very kind of rugged in Beef a way yeah. but yeah. then I was like oh shit no he's amazing he gets it he, <laughs> he really really gets it yeah and I like how Louis is played as like he has that sort of like to me Louis was 
always kind of a whiny bitch, Mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. But I love how he is conveying a vulnerability and all of his doubts and everything without being a whiny bitch. Yeah. Like, it's all... Like, you understand it. Like, I'm like this. I can see why this person is like this. Um, I appreciate, I know people are really kind of, and I was too, about the changing the time period Mm -hmm. and story details. And I said that I appreciate the fact that they are taking issues of racism like head on yeah like they're not ignoring it yeah which i really appreciate because like they could have whitewashed it they could have whitewashed the whole story they could have been like well we're not making a plantation owner and we're going to take that stuff out but it'll still just be white people (laughs) right or you know and i think um in the behind the scenes thing that i watched the the creator the showrunner talked about this they said you know there's so much blind casting now that's done where it's like oh okay we're not going to cast all white people but we're also going to just ignore any racism that this character might be coming into contact with Mm -hmm. because we've cast a black person we're just not going to deal with it because we don't want to go there Mm -hmm. and they didn't want to do that like they wanted to not only cast different colored folks but then deal with what that would mean to the to the story Mm And I, I so appreciate that because it yeah. just adds like, yeah, extra flavor to have him be a Creole black man. Um, well, and it doesn't, I mean, it's it's a text set in New Orleans. Yep. Like if you ignored that, you'd be a fucking moron. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You would be an idiot. Yeah. Um, I feel like, and I'm not super well traveled, but New Orleans and Detroit feel very similar to Baltimore mm. and the... Um, in some ways, mm-hmm. about like our racial mix mm-hmm. and how that's happened and how people treat it and how mm-hmm. it happens like currently mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. Like it just like so, yeah. So if they had just blown it off, I'm like it. Yeah, but they really it, dig into it, and I don't know what kind of mix the writers' room has. I haven't hmm. really researched it, but it feels like. It's coming from some sort of experience or diversity. Mm. Um, and even the way Lestat interacts with it, and he's like, because he's European and French and comes from this feudal French background and doesn't get it and also is kind of pissed off at it. Like, you don't, you don't deserve to be treated like this. Is really cool. Um, well, I was going to say that my, my recommendation I mentioned already is the Betwixt the Sheets podcast. Mm. This is going to have a point in a mm-hmm. second. Um, which is Kate Lister, who does the Whores of Your Twitter account. Oh, yeah. I follow yes, them. Yes. I love them. She's great. I yeah. love her. Um, I looked up her personal account. She's real cute. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that living certain like that's better. But I was like, oh, she's real cute, too. So now I have this real cute person in my head during this podcast uh, uh, about what, sex scandal and something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has a guest on talking about black Georgians. So people in Georgian England mm-hmm. who are black mm-hmm. and the uh, person wrote a book. Oh, she has an, the author on who wrote a book about it. And the woman said what really kicked her off was she went into a bookstore at one point looking for a book that was about black people in England. Mm-hmm. And the person who was like running the shop or helped her was like, well, we don't have that book. 
and then proceeded to tell this woman that there wasn't any black people in England before 1940-something <laughs> or another. Wow. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Mm. Like, what the fuck? Mm. And so, yeah, it just kind of like, ignoring that, it's just so dumb. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Um, So... Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll give it. I have actually only watched the first two episodes. I need to sit down and watch, watch <gasps> some more. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. also, also Hanagram adjacent is you know they adopt a preteen yes. <laughs> to save their marriage. They age up. <laughs> they age up Claudia in this. Yeah, I event, think she's right? supposed to be like fifteen or sixteen. Oh, maybe? so they've not only got someone who's eternally a child, but also eternally a child with raging hormones. Yes, and it's it's great. Um, that yeah, the Claudia they cast what is really great, and they have a whole sort of very domestic episode where they're trying oh. to control her. <laughs> oh wait, I remember what I was thinking was you saying Lestat being European, mm-hmm. and in particular French, because I was thinking when the when the anecdote of oh this um there was you know no black people in England before nineteen forty mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. I was like. Okay, for nothing else, then what about fucking Josephine Baker? Oh, that was France. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, the French, I'm not saying they weren't racist. Oh, yeah. I mean, the French had huge slave trade. Yes. But I feel like they were a little more like, yeah, there's not just white people. (laughs) And a little more um, kind of, uh, um, I don't want to say accepting, but sort of... uh, Kind of a shoulder shrug, like, mm. oh, yeah, you know, people are doing all sorts of things, mm-hmm. even if they are not exactly progressive yeah. or, or uh, equal-minded. Oh. Mom Cat is mad that she did not get to have a pig in a blanket or to step in the mustard <laughs> even on the table. How dare we? How dare? How dare we? So I think that's it. Justin, do you have anything? Not today. Okay. That's okay. Your head is, like, way ahead of where we are right now. <laughs> Justin has a show to play tonight, and um, a so. show to play next week, and a show to open two weeks after that, and um, and a birthday to have in there too. I can't help that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's well, gonna happen? We're gonna go out to dinner on it too. No, we're getting takeout. Yeah. Justin's birthday is on Halloween, so I want to see the kids all dressed up. The five of them that come by our house because <laughs> nobody comes down our block because we're the only people who give out candy, and our house isn't that well lit up, so they oh. just skip our block a lot of the times. Mm. The kids who do show up get fistfuls. I'm like, here, go. have a bunch. Wow, go for it. I would gladly give a full size candy bar to the little Freddie Mercury that came by that one time. Oh, oh wow! Little girl dressed up as Freddie Mercury, awesome, doing it perfectly. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. Like, you need to have some like. Like, hi, can we can we be friends with your parents? <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> oh, and then uh, yeah, I told you about discovering the neighbor who's a K-pop fan. Yes, the librarian neighbor who's. I mean, we walk by their house with the dog every day. I'm happy for you. I haven't seen them yet. It's always good when you find somebody who can talk yeah, obsessive yeah. stuff with. And they're going to be at the same concert we're at next week. Yay! Yeah. Um, and then there'll be more concerts in the future. Yay! A little bit of traveling. So I guess that's it. You can visit Headful of Hannibal at headfullofhannibal.com. That's where the show notes live. 
head full of Hannibal on Tumblr, posting up the episodes and that's it. Uh, and Instagram have it updated. <laughs> and head full of Hannibal on Twitter, we occasionally retweet relevant things. Um, or you can email us at headfullofhannibal at gmail.com. So I think that's it. That's it. We'll be here next time with the beginning of the Red Dragon arc. Yay. Excellent. Awesome. And uh, thank you for joining us. Bye. 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 Bye.